This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, welcome in. The 2016 minor league baseball season is underway, and the show before the show is back at you for week number one in minor league baseball. Hi, everybody. I'm Tyler Mon in New York City is Sam Dykstra. Hey, Sam. Hello, Tyler. Baseball. Actual baseball. Actual baseball. We actually yeah. get to talk about like new stats and new performances and Amazing. not just retread or preview or anything. We just get to talk about what is, what has been, and what will be. And uh, those, that's what we all are in life, is it not? I, I think so. <laughs> so, yeah. with that, welcome in. It's the 54th edition of the Show Before the Show podcast. You can find us all over the place. We are on iTunes. You can search there for the Minor League Baseball podcast and find us. Rate, review, and subscribe to the Show Before the Show podcast there. Leave us your comments, your uh, your your loving, um, just uh, glowing, flowery reviews of the show. And uh, you can get in touch with us also on social media. I am at Tyler Mon. Sam is at Sam Dykes or MILB. Minor League Baseball is at milb and you can also email the show podcast at milb.com and uh there you have it so let's get started let's dive right in week number one is in the books and uh we had uh, a lot of really fun stuff to talk about in the opening week there are some very good stories up on the site already from good individual performances sam has had some really good stuff already tool shed piece on what the top most intriguing rosters rotations lineups of minor league baseball are but what has stood out to you so far about week number one sam i mean standout performances guys who really look like they're primed for big seasons what is uh what's been the big the big storyline so far this year for you yeah i guess the the one that kind of it was a big storyline coming into this season we talked a little bit about it um in our you know opening day podcast our big prospect primer podcast um was that you know kind of dichotomy what were the braves going to do with their shortstop position um they sent ozzy albies to double a mississippi they sent dansby swanson to class a advanced carolina uh and that albies uh, assignments just seemed a little aggressive to me considering he's only 19 you know he just had his first full season last year bumping him up two levels seemed extremely aggressive and, and kind of fun too you know they really thought they could test him see what would happen um, so I've been keeping an eye on him it, it seems like he's passing those tests so far um, he's he's been kind of who we we thought he was uh, just as an overall player so far you know we're recording this on Tuesday so going into tonight's games on Tuesday for Mississippi um, he's eight for twenty-two, which is a three sixty-four average. Um, only the one extra base hit. He only has one double, um, but he's only struck out three times. He walked once, so he's essentially what we thought he was. There's not much power there, um, but he's getting the bat on the ball. He's putting it in play. Um, he's putting it well in play. Uh, you know, hitting that with that high average. Um, doesn't have a stolen base yet, but I think that'll come. He's he certainly got plus plus speed, um, playing solid defense. So he's passing the early tests again. This is after five games. You know, we we all we can evaluate is what we see so far. Um, so it's kind of been cool to see him not completely floundering, uh, making the Braves look good with that move so far. Um, another cool thing I this is I say this just because it was just fresh off my mind. Another it, maybe a, a little bit of aggressive move was sending uh, 
Alex Bregman, uh, Astros first rounder from last year, uh, the number two overall pick. They sent him to double A Corpus Christi. That's a little less aggressive considering he was a, a college player and he certainly advanced in all facets of the game, played in high A Lancaster last year. Um, but last night he hit two homers, including a walk off and extra innings. Um, so that's really fun and interesting to see him hit the ground running. He's hitting 350 there for Corpus Christi. Um, could be a fast mover if he shows that he's even set at that level. So, uh, you know, we talked a lot about in this offseason and even in spring training about how, you know, there's a really exciting group of shortstops right now in the minors. Um, just as a group of prospects, uh, we're seeing that obviously at the major league level with Corey Seager and even uh, standout star so far, Trevor Story. Um, and that that storyline continues to bleed through here in the minors. I am going to go an obvious route for one of these and a very under-the-radar route for another. Uh, Julio Urias last night, and again, like you said, we're recording on Tuesday. Monday night, Urias back in AAA for the first time since his final outing of 2015, where he really got pretty well rocked. Six runs on nine, hits over three and a third, and took the loss in his second AAA start. I think that actually dropped his ERA to just over 12 through his two AAA starts last season. But last night, goes into a matchup with the same Memphis Redbirds team, opposed by the same starter in Arturo Reyes, and Urias was fantastic five innings struck out nine didn't issue a walk only gave up four singles and allowed them in succession with two outs two of them in the first and two of them in the fifth and got out of each of those innings very quickly and in between he retired 12 in a row Urias that's exactly what we expect to see from him which uh Oklahoma City pitching coach Matt Hurges said to me last night is almost kind of unfair like we expect to see these ridiculous showings from a kid who's 19 years old but he does it He's so amazing that he continues to do that stuff. He threw 67% strikes last night, was getting ahead of guys, putting them away very quickly. So pretty much the impressive breakout early season performance that we expected to see from Julio Urias. But a guy who I want to talk about who is off of virtually everybody's radar to start the season, and this is not going to continue with this clip, but number 27-ranked Padres prospect Austin Allen, a catcher in the San Diego system, has started with Class A Fort Wayne 14 for his first 18 this season. He's batting 778 <laughs> in five games. I think it's one thing you have like a good three-game stretch or whatever. Five games out of the season, he's OPSing 19-11. What? That, that, that's essentially like you have to think about Doesn't hits happen? as a bank. Yeah, just, just deposit those in the bank and then he could go for a week and he'll still be hitting 300 and feel good about himself, I guess. And he's a prospect. Austin Allen, a fourth round pick last year out of the Florida Institute of Technology. Like I said, he's the number 27 prospect in the system. Spent last year with uh, Class A short season Tri-City in the uh, in the Northwest League out there. But, you know, that's man. Have a have a week, Austin Allen. Save yeah, some for I mean, everybody else, dude. Right. Jeez. I, yeah. I mean, I'm. I, I, Want to pump the brakes a little bit because he's 22 <laughs> years old playing at Class A, but but still, he shouldn't you know. be there. But you know, you can only perform it where you are. That's all you can do. Exactly. And he's taken you know the assignment that the the Padres gave him, and he's run with it. And good for him for that. So some of our early standouts from week number one. One of those guys did not last long in the minor leagues this week, and that leads us into strike two in this week's edition of Three Strikes. Nomar Mazara is already up at the major league level, one of the top prospects in all of the Texas Rangers organization. Uh, Mazara called up after an injury to Shinsu Chu. Mazara, the number three prospect in the Rangers system, started this season with AAA Round Rock with six for his first 12 in three games, and then the Rangers said, we need you the big league level kid. Jumps up, three hits and a homer in his debut he's played a couple of games in the major league level 
and this is interesting and and really exciting for the Texas Rangers in multiple reasons. Uh, number one, you got a heck of a guy out there already in Shinsu Chu. When he gets back and he gets healthy, you're not going to need Nomar Mazzara immediately. He doesn't have to jump right into the fold and be a star going forward for 2016 to carry this team. But number two, I think you're seeing that he is going to have the ability to do that for one thing. And for the second thing, there is so much depth in that system right now. Like the Rangers for the last few years, it seems like they've fallen off. The injuries, the U Darvish thing, Jerickson Profar has kind of disappeared. Mike Olt never panned out. The Rangers are back, man. And this team is so loaded and they've got so much of that talent at the upper levels of Mazzara. I mean, what a way to bow into the big league level. Yeah, I know. Well, th- that was the interesting thing is that you you always have these guys who are just uber talented, and Mazar is certainly one of them. Um, you know, we like to talk a lot about his hitting ability, and he's one of the guys whose skill set um, hadn't necessarily shown up in the stats too much, at least eye popping wise, but was very very solid last year, splitting the year between Double A AA and Triple A, and then just to hit the ground running like he did this year. I mean, that's just the culmination of, like I said, just a, a skill set of an above average hit tool, a plus power tool. Uh, and, and to Homer in his first game like that was really something special. Uh, and you know, I think it will be kind of interesting to see how this goes forward because it's kind of the risk you run when you do put in a guy like him who can hit the ground running, who can do really well at the beginning. And, you know, by the time Shinsu Chu does come back, what if Mazar is still hitting, you know, in the three hundreds, um, when some nice pop, you know, maybe they try to, they move, him over to left or something, or they move two over to left, but then there you have Ian Desmond who they just signed um, for a lot of money. And then you can't stick one of them really in center. I know Ian Desmond played center field yesterday, which was kind of an odd choice uh, for a guy who played so much shortstop. Um, so I don't think that's, you know, exactly the plan for them. And I don't think they want to take the line to shields out of the equation either. It, it's a fun time to be a Rangers fan in that way, because th- these are all lineup problems that you'd like to have. And I haven't even mentioned Josh Hamilton yet. Uh, you know, the former MVP who's also on that team um, currently hurt, but we'll see what time he can come back. I think he's aiming to come back in May. Uh, so there, there could sometime be a log jam in the Rangers outfield. Um, but for right now, they're going to get Mazzara his playing time. And if he continues to run with it like he has, um, that'll just make an, an already good Rangers team that much better. And, oh, by the way, Joey Gallo had his first multi-homer game of the season this week as well. So Rangers fans feeling pretty good about themselves going into the uh, the bulk of the 2016 season. And they had a 105-year-old lady throw out a first pitch the other day, <laughs> which is even cooler. Yeah, I think that should make just humanity feel, yeah, make, make us feel good. When we turn 105, Tyler, we'll throw out the uh, first pitch. Okay. Today deal we'll do it only in minor league games we'll be on a we'll be like we could be like the cowboy monkey rodeo we'll just tour around 105 year old sam and tyler yes i like it although it'll be like five years after i turn 105 for you so youngsters i'll be we'll make it count somehow sam strike three this week is a fun question to discuss in debate and an even funner question when we finally get the answer to it nomar mazara comes up gets a, a taste of the major league level does exceedingly well who's the next one in line for that because right now there are a lot of guys who feel like they're sort of on the brink a lot of those guys Probably we aren't going to see at the major league level right away. I mean, Julio Urias, we're not going to see up there. Lucas Giolito makes his debut today. Again, we're recording this on Tuesday. But there are some guys there from the position player side who are getting closer. I mean, J.P. Crawford, Orlando Arcia, Joey Gallo is another one to talk about. Trey Turner obviously saw a good amount of time at the major league level last year. Who is next? Last year we had that season of the prospect. All these guys jumping up, breaking out, making these huge major league debuts. Who do you have next on the docket? 
Yeah, so I, the way I kind of take this question is just who who's a top prospect who's going to get us kind of all talking and up there and uh, not necessarily a guy who's going to, you know, hit the, like I keep using this phrase today, I guess, uh, hit the ground running, but just uh, somebody who will get that call. And I think maybe the next in line might be Raul Mondesi. Okay. In terms of just... You know what it, what it took for Mazzara. Mazzara didn't hit his way to the majors. Let, you know we've been pretty clear right. about that so far. But it took an injury. I think the Royals wouldn't be afraid of bringing up Mondesi if there were an injury in the middle of their infield. They did it last year in the, in the World Series. They already he already has that major league experience. Um, they sent him back to Double A just because he didn't really hit very well there last year. But he's hitting well there now. Short sample, you know, asterisk abound, whatever. Um, but he's hitting 300 right now. He hit a, he had a, he's had two homers so far. He's had two stolen bases. Um, so he's showing the potential that is there. You know, they, like I said, the last year in the world series, they already thought he was ready enough to perform on that stage. They even get, got him a couple at bats, even though everybody agrees that his bat is far beyond his defense. Um, so he, if something were to happen in the middle of the infield with the Royals here early on, I, I don't think they would be afraid of bringing him up. He's the only one who I can see like a clear, direct path for something like that happening. Um, AJ Reed, I'd like to say you know he could hit his way there, but the way the way Tyler White is performing, and again, congrats to Tyler White for winning Player of the Week and yeah. re- really, really doing well, even beating out you know the expectations of us who have followed him in the minors so far in the majors. Um, I, I think the Astros are going to be perfectly fine with Reed getting his at bats down there, and pr- probably John Singleton will be the guy who's up first. So. Yeah, this is a. Th- that's the thing is that no matter who we say right now, it it could be somebody who just completely cuts the line, uh, and you know the X organization decides we have an injury, we're just going to try out this prospect. And uh, Montesi is the guy who jumps to mind for me. But what about for you, Tyler? Yeah, actually, I like Montesi too. Uh, I think so many of these other guys, there are different pathways that are blocked. I mean, Joey Gallo, Adrian Beltre isn't going anywhere, and we have already talked about the outfield depth there where Gallo has seen some time. Maybe that's his major league position. Maybe it's not. The pitchers, it's a lot more difficult to see Lucas Giolito or Julio Urias making a jump in short order. I like Montesi, especially because of the fact that, like you noted, Sam, the Royals have shown that they're not afraid. If you're going to give a kid his major league debut in the World Series, then I think that speaks pretty highly of your confidence in him. Uh, so I like Modesty. By the way, also, in addition to uh, Tyler White, Trevor Story wins the National League Player of the Week award only two times in the entire history of that award had it gone to a rookie in the first full week of the season, and it goes to rookies in both the American League and National League this season. So last year, year of the prospect, everybody breaks through. Carlos Correa, the guys who just jump out of the major league level and, and amaze us all. Uh, well, this year, maybe maybe we don't have so many slouches this year either. Like, it's going to be impossible to follow up 2015, but 2016 off to a pretty good start for the rookies. Yeah, maybe it'll be the year of the surprise prospect. That could be. And I, and I, I don't mean that for the general population. I mean, I think... Anybody who's listening to this uh, this podcast or anybody who's listened to us in the past, read us in the past, knows that Trevor Story and Tyler White doing well in the majors, hitting well in the majors, um, isn't a huge surprise to right. us, given what they've been doing, given their track records. But, uh, yeah, these are certainly not guys who would have been typical uh, Rookie of the Year candidates necessarily. We were on the uh, we were on the bandwagon early. This the The other name for this podcast is the Prospect Hipsters. 
Yes, that's that's what I consider myself anyway. We were on I, Tyler I, White and Trevor Story before it was even cool, man. Oh, yeah, of course. I like their old stuff better. That's why we're in the minors, <laughs> because we're such hipsters just to claim that. Oh, no I way, man. Years ago, man. Big League stuff is way too mainstream for us, man. <laughs> um, so that's going to wrap up uh, this week's edition of Three Strikes for episode number 54 of the Show Before the Show podcast. Coming up next, really excited to uh, get our first in-season interview. We're going to go to a manager level for our first in-season conversation at 20. 2016 Salem Red Sox skipper Joe Oliver joins the show from the Carolina League coming up next. Watch the stars of tomorrow today on MILB TV. Before they made it to the show, stars like Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, and Chris Bryant were on MILB TV. Subscribe today to get more than 5,000 minor league games streamed live and on demand, including games from affiliates of all 30 major league clubs. Select all-star and postseason games are also included. On the go? Watch on your iPhone, iPad, or iPod Touch with the free MILB First Pitch app. Visit MILB.TV for details. Coming in opening day, uh, some of the guys that we talked about last segment, some of the excitement that we talked about last segment, a lot of that surrounded the upcoming roster, the 2016 roster of the Salem Red Sox, a Class A advanced affiliate of the Boston Red Sox, who Sam dubbed as the most interesting lineup coming into 2016 with three top 25 overall prospects, according to MLB.com's rankings. And we are joined now by the manager of the Salem Red Sox, Joe Oliver. Joe, welcome to the show. How's things going? Things are going pretty well right now. Got off to a pretty good start. Uh, uh, you know, weather was uh, pretty pretty brutal the first couple of days, but, uh, you know, that, that's part of baseball. You never know uh, what that given factor is going to be, but I think we dealt with it pretty well and, and uh, have a little bit of uh, confidence going into this series with Frederick. Well, Joe, let's uh, talk about this roster that you've got for this season. I mean, this has got to be, you know, kind of kid in a candy store thing for you and your staff because you come in with so much talent. Three of MLB.com's top 25 overall prospects and Yoan Mankata, Rafael Devers, and Andrew Benintendi. But more than that, it seems like beyond just that top level of talent, there's so much depth on this roster. I mean, it's a very well-constructed roster, the likes of which you don't really see a whole lot at the Class A level. I mean, how much fun has this been getting this season started? Well, you know, uh, you, you hate to sit there and take a lot of that for granted. Uh, these guys have have uh, earned uh, where they are right now. It's not anything that anybody's been given. Uh, whether they're the, 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 the gentleman that you talked about uh, introducing the, uh, us into the show or, or the guys that are, are uh, being the role players and contributing just up and, up and down through the lineup, uh, these guys have come in and, and done their work and had good seasons in the past and, and put together pretty good numbers. So, you know, we come to the ballpark excited about the lineup that we put out on the field every day and and uh, think that we're going to have a pretty good chance of winning ball games. All we have to do is uh, uh, pitch and throw strikes, and and uh, seems like we catch the ball good enough that uh, we're going to put ourselves in good position to win most of the games that we get out there. And, and these guys don't take anything for granted. They're hungry to work. And Joe, I, I kind of want to touch on one guy individually. I know you got to work with him last year a little bit. You were the manager at uh, short season Lowell um, and Andrew Benintendi. You know, he's got off to this start this season. He's got three triples already. Um, you know, he's seven for 19, hitting 368. Uh, what kind of, what did you see him last year? You know, he's coming off that great season at Arkansas, was carrying that momentum into short season. Uh, what do you see now in him that maybe you didn't then, or is he the same player this year um, entering his first full season? Well, it, it's nice actually seeing him come in after having a spring training and 
having an off season of uh, a little bit of rest and getting in the weight room and getting stronger. And, and uh, you know, he's gotten his work in and uh, you could see a lot more confidence uh, with him coming in from spring training and, and uh, uh, the, kid, the kid has come in and, and just really picked up where he left off last year. And, you know, he's playing a, a very solid center field. He's leading the outfielders, moving uh, his left fielder and right fielder with him. Uh, uh, he's taking over the, the reins as, as the leader out there. And you see him come up to the plate and he's swinging with a lot of confidence. And, and it's, uh, you know, when you see the guy of his size, he's got uh, really quick hands and, and, and surprising power for, for a young man the size that he is. I mean, you, you would think a guy who hits that many home runs is somebody who has a a big, huge frame. And, 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 uh, you know, he's just got a lot of, a lot of power in that small frame and, you know, to, to see where he is from last year to now, you can already see that he's got uh, a lot of confidence, uh, built up over the off season and he's come in with a good head and, and, uh, a lot of, uh, uh, uh work in the off season start to pay off. And with the way, um, this lineup was kind of given to you, at least this, you know, these hitters were given to you between Moncada at the top of the lineup. Then you got Dubon, Benintendi, Devers, Nick Longy. And how does it kind of all j- kind of gel together between, you know, Moncada and Dubon are average hitters, but with their, with a lot of speed. And then you got the boppers with those other guys. Um, how do they kind of gel as a lineup together? Well, you know, we kind of go the way the top of the order goes. I mean, if, if Moncada and Dubon are able to get on, we're able to put a lot of pressure on a lot of pitching staffs and a lot of teams and, kind of makes the infielders play a little closer, uh, respecting the speed. And the, and the pitchers are definitely trying to pay a lot more attention to them on the base path. So uh, you, you tend to get a lot more fastballs for the guys that love to hit fastballs. And um, you, You're starting to see some teams uh, um, try to pay a lot more attention to, to uh, those guys when they get on the base paths. And, and you know, they, they create a lot of havoc and speed does that to a lot of teams. And it's not only just for this ball club, but if you know a team that's coming in and they have uh, quite a few guys that can run the bases extremely well, you, you kind of have to pay attention to it and don't let it take you out of your game plan and, and uh, try to keep those guys off the bases. And, you know, so far these guys have been able to get on and, and uh, their run scores once they get on the base. Talking with Class A Advanced Salem manager Joe Oliver, a loaded lineup, a loaded roster coming into the 2016 season. And Joe, one of those guys who is going to have a lot of focus around him no matter what is Yohan Mankata. And there are a lot of cards in the deck stacked against a kid like him just because of the fact that he's from Cuba. There's a much more difficult transition uh, with the way Cuban ballplayers have to come over here, not just from that standpoint, but from a cultural standpoint and adjusting to the, the daily regimen of the minor league life over here. And on top of that, the money that he got is going to bring a lot more focus too. And that is what makes his performance so far as a professional, all the more impressive last year goes out very good with Greenville in 81 games this year, really good start with you guys. And he's only 21 years old uh, this season. He'll be 21 in may. What is it about him maturity wise, mentality wise that enables him to have the success he's had so far? Well, you know, he, he has a uh, really quick hands, really quick feet. Uh, he's blessed with a lot of speed. Um, he's been able to start making the adjustments to, to being over here playing uh, in the States. And, and uh, he's listened to our infield instructors uh, up and down the system. Uh, and our infield coordinator, Andy Fox, has worked with him tirelessly. And, you know, we have uh, uh, guys that have really tried to continue to to hone his uh, athletic ability. And, and, you know, we, we really paid a lot of attention to trying to keep his athletic 
um, style of play, but uh, not change too much of it too drastically where it takes away what he's natural and normal to do. And uh, he, he plays his game around um, a lot of speed and, and uh, you know, he's able to, to handle that. And, you know, he, he's been really good for us so far. And uh, like I said, on, on, you know, a few minutes ago, when he gets on base, he's able to uh, create a lot of havoc in the same way he's been able to, to flash a really good glove at this point and, and show that he's not only just a, an offensive type of player and, you know, he's physically strong and he's built like a linebacker and not your prototypical second baseman look, but, uh, you know, he's blessed with a lot of ability and, and, you know, I'm thankful to have him on this club. And Joe, I kind of want to ask about just the kind of clubhouse dugout dynamic on this team. I mean, you've got so many young guys um, with so many different backgrounds all coming from all over the place. you got, you know, those really, really good prospects, but Moncada's from Cuba. Devers is from the Dominican Republic. Ben Benintendi played at Arkansas. Dubon's from Honduras. As kind of personalities, as you know, just teammates, how does this team t- kind of come together? I know a lot of them played together a little bit at Greenville last year, um, but what have you kind of noticed as them as teammates so far in the early going? Well, I, I think they've always been able to uh, blend together really well. I mean, being able to, to have played together last year, um, it gives uh, that good, like, nice break-in period, so they're acclimated to each other's personalities, and and uh, they do things, uh, you know, where they're they're comfortable with each other, and, and it's definitely been a an open line of communication with all the all the players on this club. It's been a really good clubhouse, and and uh, you just try to create a, a a relaxed environment, but yet knowing that it's uh, time to go to work and do your job and. You know, these guys so far have been pulling for each other, and, and I think that's a big thing when you can get uh, a group of guys pulling for each other when they're not even at the plate or, 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 or playing that day. Uh, you can see these guys are picking each other up and cheering for each other. Mm-hmm. And, and you got to mention when they're picking each other up, how much are they kind of aware of, not necessarily the pressure, but, I mean, you, you play in the Red Sox system, there's so much that's put under a microscope, and then you have a team with this much talent on it. Um, how much are they kind of aware of how much they're going to be looked at this season, how much excitement there is and, you know, the, the fan base with Red Sox nation, uh, you know, how, how aware of they, are they of what, you know, kind of the outside world is viewing this team? Well, I, I would be um, stupid to, to deny that they know that they're being watched. I mean, that uh, the generation is definitely, uh, more in tune with what's going on with Twitter and, and uh, Instagram and uh, all the periodicals that are writing about the players, because a lot of the time, a lot of times the players uh, uh, keep up up to date on other players throughout the league. So they've all got friends that are all over the country and, and uh, you know, they read everything that's, that's being said or written about them. So that can be a positive and it can be a negative, but uh, you know, so far these guys are not taking it and letting their uh, egos um, um, balloon and, and take away from the way they're playing and, and they're getting their work in. So uh, they definitely understand the uh, magnitude of, of the attention that they're going to get being with the Boston Red Sox organization. And, and uh, you know, they do realize there are a lot of expectations for for this uh, this team to have some success. But uh, so far, it's not deterred from them from uh, trying to uh, live up to that hype and expectation. But, uh, you know, I don't foresee them um, really buying into it so much that they become egotistical. Uh, they're just going to get their work in and try to play every day that they possibly can and, and put, put forth the best work they can. 
He is Joe Oliver, the manager of the Salem Red Sox, a Class A advanced affiliate of the Boston Red Sox, home tonight and tomorrow to take on the Frederick Keys on the road in North Carolina next week. Uh, if you're in the Carolina League areas and you are a Red Sox fan, go find where the Salem roster is going to be this season because they're going to be a heck of a lot of fun to watch. And Joe, we can't thank you a ton- enough for joining us on a, a game day, and uh, best of luck the rest of the way this season. We appreciate it. All right, I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Our very first in-season edition of Chatting with Benjamin Hill has arrived, and we have, like, actual promos to talk about, and we have actual news to talk about, and uh, we're excited. Ben, welcome back. Hey, it's good to be here. Hey. Hi, Tyler. Hi, good Sam. Good to have you. Ben? Um, so, before we get into this, we should let you all know that uh, the Team Theme Songs podcast is recorded, it is being produced, it is ready to go. Look for it early next week. Uh, we'll talk a lot about what the uh, the goal going forward for Team Theme Songs will be, but just know that you're probably going to hear Eat It Up from the Hartford Yard Goats like a thousand times this summer on the show, just because I love it, and I'm the one who produces this thing. So there you go. <laughs> it, it, you have all the power, Tyler. I have all the power. We'll toss to a we'll toss to a song from you know Tacoma, and I'll just play "Eat It Up" anyway. Uh, but no, we're really excited. Ben and I had a ton of fun recording that. And all the props to Ben. He put all that work together to compile those songs, put the playlist together, and stuff. So be on the lookout for that episode coming out early next week. We had a ton of fun with it, and we'll continue to roll out some team theme song stuff in Ben's segment from week to week as the season goes on this year. Uh, but Ben, as we get started with our first uh, discussion with you in season in 2016 we're talking a lot about some games that uh i don't even really know if they happened because nobody was there to see them what is going on with the weather in that state that you guys live in yeah well hey happy 2016 season everyone hey you too it's 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 great that it's finally arrived but that's the surreal nature of baseball in april especially in the northeast is there's a lot of excitement and then you get hit with reality (laughs) um it's it's like marriage so Oh, oh, oh. That was that was solid. That came out of nowhere. Nice work. Uh, I think it came out of somewhere, but we're not going to get into that. Um. Anyway, there's been a lot of bad weather in the I'm world of minor league baseball. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Everything's okay now. We're good. We're good. Oh, we're good. No, I think everything's fine. All right. So there's bad weather in the Northeast. And I think the place where it's been most pronounced, of course, is Syracuse, home of the Chiefs, where for the first four games of the season, an entire series with the Iron Pigs scheduled for April 7th to the the 10th, they just had to cancel the whole thing. And that's not a good way to start the season because there was an icy mud bath in Syracuse. So instead of canceling those games or postponing those games outright, they played an opening day double header in lehigh valley except it wasn't opening day it was the next day friday and then to make it more surreal it started at 11 a.m in which the home team was on the road and to make it most surreal no fans were admitted so that's i think my favorite minor league story of the season so far is syracuse chiefs and lehigh valley iron pigs playing a game in front of zero fans friday 11 a.m to start their season and the reason there weren't any fans was because Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, their home of Coca-Cola Park, or is it Coca-Cola Stadium? It's Coca-Cola. Yeah. They were doing some last... Right. Yeah, it's Coca-Cola. They were doing some last-second um, construction, you know, nothing major, but doing construction work on their stadium in preparation for their real home opener. So when some games got shifted to Lehigh Valley, they couldn't even let fans in. And um, that got me thinking, 
this is a game with zero fans, an official zero attendance. And the Charleston River Dogs did that to great acclaim. Um, it went kind of viral in a pre-viral age in 2002 when they purposefully locked fans out of the stadium until the game became official so they could claim a zero attendance. <laughs> and now here we have history repeating itself with accidental Nobody Night promotions, which no one really wanted to have happened and a great way to kick off the season. But the Syracuse Chiefs are back home for real this time, still haven't played a game in Syracuse, still haven't played a game in front of fans, but tomorrow is mulligan night where it's a complete do-over night and they're packing all their lost opening day promotions into one. There's a 53-degree guarantee, which I'm not sure they're going to meet. There's Jordan Spieth jokes. There's food specials. And, hey, to those in Syracuse, you've been through a lot, but it's going to get better. And uh, what a great start to the 2015, I mean, 2016 minor league season. What a great start to me talking about 2016 (laughs) on the podcast. And uh, you kind of wrote a little bit about at least that opening night extravaganza for Syracuse in in this new piece you're calling Promo Watch. Kind of talk us through the decision to call it Promo Watch now instead of Promo Preview. I know a lot of people have probably been Googling Promo Preview, wondering where that went. Um, So, yeah, talk about how this series is going to work this season. Right. Millions of people have been Googling Promo Preview, wondering (laughs) why I haven't been writing it this season. Uh, Promo Preview, I started writing in 2006, almost as long as the site's been around. Uh, this year I've tweaked tweaked it, still running on Tuesdays. It's not promo preview, it's just promo watch. That way we can talk about things that just happened that might be of importance or note or just funny or weird or strange. We can also preview things that are coming up when necessary. We can talk about larger trends. Um, so every Tuesday, when applicable, when I'm not on the road and swamped with other things, promo watch on MILB.com. Just looking at the entire world of minor league promos, and I hope people have fun reading it. And, of course, uh, those articles will be supplemented with all sorts of posts on Ben's Biz blog. And, yes, my road trip schedules are coming soon as well. So I'm hitting the road again in uh, next month. Early next month is my first trip. It's taken me a long time to get those schedules out, but hitting the road very soon. So here we are. We're in the season. We're good to go. We're flying. I just want to point out we're recording this on Tuesday, the 12th of April. Tonight is the brief, the briefly viral Binghamton Mets Netflix and chill promotional night. Um, so we'll we'll see how that goes out. Uh, and then yeah, about- a, a word on that real quick. <laughs> they announced the Netflix and chill promo months ago, seemingly not knowing what Netflix yeah. and chill was slang for. Yeah. Then it went viral because yeah. it was like, oh my, OMG, this team doesn't know what it means. The team just was like, ah, nah, we know what it means. It just means we're going to watch our favorite <laughs> Netflix shows on a chilly night at the ballpark. And they're still doing the promo. And now all the people who are like, oh, OMG, aren't paying attention. Netflix and Chill Night still happening still April happening. 12th. <laughs> Binghamton, New York. Pay attention. If you, if you write about something for your blog and you want it to go viral, pay attention. It's still happening. Make, another, make it go viral again. Anyway. By the congrats time you're tuning in this, it will have already happened. So, yeah, congrats to the B-Mets on sticking with the Netflix and chill night. Um, Thursday, by the way, you'll be listening to this on Thursday. That's when our podcast rolls out its new episodes. And on Thursday night, 
the New Hampshire Fisher Cats will be donning either a red hat emblazoned with an elephant or a blue hat emblazoned with a donkey, which is part of a promotion they've had going on basically all offseason. I was just watching a Fisher Cats game yesterday. They said they still did not know which of those hats they would be wearing. They were having fans vote for Bipartisan Night, I think was the, the name of the promotion, on which of those characters, which were part of the original identity of that team when they were first crafted as the New Hampshire primaries. That didn't last very long. But which of those characters, the Republican elephant, the Democratic donkey, will be on the hat for opening night, which is a really cool promotion, too. Yeah, it really is. And even though the New Hampshire primary's name was uh, quickly abandoned almost immediately after it was announced some 20 years ago, it's great to see the Fisher Cats still uh, having fun with that identity in in an election year. And, you know, for the most part, you know, making it bipartisan. Yes, you can vote on which hat to wear, the red or the blue, the donkey or the elephant. But, you know, for the most part, they're splitting this down the middle. And fun fact and this is true, fans can also vote on the color of the cotton candy at that night's game as well, blue or red, or blue or pink. But That's I guess the awesome. pink would be a Democrat, but whatever. I, I mean, no, pink would be <laughs> the Republican. If, you're, yeah. if, if you like Republican cotton candy, you'd vote for pink, and blue cotton candy, Democratic cotton candy is blue. Right. Also, just uh, the, the Fisher Cats becoming the Fisher Cats instead of the primaries, they were like the early test case study in weathering the storm we look at all these rebrands this is a whole other conversation but you look at all these other teams that have stuck it out the storm chasers the yard ghosts the chihuahuas the flying squirrels of all this look at how dumb this name is i'm outraged those teams suck it out they've reaped tremendous benefits this was 20 years ago this is way before then and the primaries got a little bit of cold feet and changed the name so it's kind of an interesting footnote to minor league baseball history that we've talked about it is you get cold feet and then there you go with a footnote <laughs> Huh. Another good marriage joke. All right, there we go. I, 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 I didn't even mean it. But um, yeah, but you're right. I think in today's, if the primary's name came out in 2016, the, then a team would know to weather the storm, know it's good publicity, know that you know when all said and done, if you can market your entire team experience tied in with the team name, you're going to be okay. And we have Chihuahuas and Rubber Ducks and Blue Wahoos and Iron Pigs and all manner of teams that have proven that out. But you're right, Tyler. 20 years ago, you come out with a weird name. There's no context for it. There's community uproar, and you say, like, ah, let's go with Fisher Cats. All they do is kill domestic household pets. They're, they're much better than politics. <laughs> All right, well, we got to get uh, your thoughts on this before we send you out. It kind of got lost in our opening day coverage, at least not on the site, but in terms of the podcast. Um, just the Lakeland Stadium situation, uh, you know, they were – we all thought they were going to open up like normal, and then all of a sudden Joker Martian Stadium is not in use, and they're going to be going down the street in the same city to a, to a really old stadium. What do you, can you kind of tell us about the Flying Tigers? Yeah, it's funny. We talked all offseason about uh, Florida ballpark changes and potential changes, and this one just slipped right under the radar. I'm a little embarrassed about it, but it wasn't really uh, publicized very much as well. But Joker mm-hmm. Marchand Stadium, Marchant Stadium. Marchand. Um, is part of the Tiger Town complex, the longtime home of the Detroit Tigers spring training, as well as the Lakeland Flying Tigers and the Florida State League. They're go- undergoing a massive overhaul. So just last week, it was kind of the word really got out officially. I wrote an article about it. 
Um, because of all these renovations going on, the Flying Tigers are playing the entirety of the 2016 Florida State League season at Henley Field. It's only about a mile away, but it's a 91-year-old ballpark built in 1925, hosted spring training in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, Petreated, preceded Joker Marchant as the Detroit Tigers spring training home. A ton of history there, a capacity of only 1,000, uh, surrounded by palm trees and Spanish colonial architecture, uh, a real classic environment. I actually was able to visit there a few years back. There was no game going on. On, but I just stopped by. It's also the home of a Division II baseball team. I'm blanking on the name, but it has, I believe, it has Methodist Florida, in the title. Florida, Florida Southern also. Florida Southern, yeah, Florida Southern. Um, they are in the process of buying the stadium from the city of Lakeland, but they've kept it in great condition. Their team has played there for years, and uh, it's a pretty good fit for a short-term solution. Uh, for the Flying Tigers and fans who want to see a ball game in a 91-year-old facility, which you really don't get the chance to do anymore on account of it being 91 years old <laughs> and most of those places not existing or being dilapidated, uh, this is a great opportunity in Lakeland in the 2016 season to see an affiliated professional baseball team in a classic stadium, Henley Field in Lakeland. Check it out if you are willing and able. He is Benjamin Hill. You can find him on Twitter. He's at Ben's Biz. You can check out the blog, bensbiz.mlblogs.com, and promo watch all season long here at MILB.com as well. And, again, be on the lookout early next week. The Team Theme Songs podcast is going to be rolling out a special edition of the show before the show, and we're going to continue incorporating those as the season goes along as well. So, Ben, thanks. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. It's always a pleasure, guys. Joe Oliver, the Salem Red Sox, two segments ago. Big thanks to Joe and Benjamin Hill, our good pal last segment. Big thanks to Ben as well. Team Songs podcast coming out next week. You can follow Ben and promo watch all season long at MILB.com as well. And uh, that's going to put a nice little tidy bow on the 54th edition of the show before the show podcast. Milb TV is back for 2016. Head on to MILB.TV. You can subscribe there. You heard the spot earlier on in the show today. It's back and better than ever this season. And uh, we got some good stuff coming up this week. I've got an eye on Reno on Thursday afternoon contest, 3.05 Eastern time in case you were bored and hoping for an early weekend. Uh, Rockies number five prospect Jeff Hoffman will go to the mound for the Albuquerque Isotopes against the Reno Aces that day. So that could be a fun one to watch. Jeff Hoffman in his debut went against Tacoma was outstanding on the road for the Albuquerque Isotopes. Six shutout innings was touching 97. Filthy breaking stuff. Actually showed kind of a, a different look to his breaking ball than what we had seen from him last season season had more of kind of an 11 to 5 sweeping type of curve um, than what we saw last year from him so Jeff Hoffman the continued ascension of a, a really highly regarded pitching prospect that's the one I'm looking out for and it's an afternoon game I always like the afternoon games on milk tv well they're just so pleasant and they're much easier to watch on the eyes just yeah they're filled with sun uh, I mean hopefully yeah. we talked a lot about rainouts today so normally they're very much filled with sun um, I got my eye on this weekend there's a a series coming up in Harrisburg uh, where the Senators will be hosting the Reading Fight and Fills. We talked about my tool shed from last week. I had Reading as one of those interesting lineups just because they have top Phillies prospect J.P. Crawford, and they also have Speed Demon Roman Quinn, and then uh, Jorge Alfaro, the catcher who has plenty of power, le- working on his swing, working on you know kind of filling the holes in that. But when he makes a connection, uh, the the ball can go extremely far. So that's a fun lineup. With Harrisburg, I think Saturday right now they're lining up Reynaldo Lopez uh, to get the start. He's a very interesting right-handed pitcher in that national system. And then I think as of right now, that's going to set up Lucas Giolito, who pitches tonight on Tuesday 
he'll get the start on Sunday, which is an afternoon game to uh, transition in what we were just saying. Uh, that game's at one thirty, so you could have the chance to see Lucas Giolito go up against J.P. Crawford, uh, two top five overall prospects. That'll be kind of must-watch MILB TV, and uh, it'll be a good way to spend an afternoon if, if everything lines up as it should. If it doesn't, that Lopez game would still be plenty interesting, and, and that Reading lineup is fun to watch no matter who they're going up against. But, uh, yeah, Giolito-Crawford, uh, matchup is about as good as it's going to get this year in the Eastern League or anywhere in the minors. So basically what we're telling you is no matter what, either on Thursday, shirk your work duties and watch baseball at work, or on Sunday, eh, shirk whatever you got going on on the weekend and uh, and watch some MILB.TV at home. Uh, also, Julio Urias will be back to the mound on Saturday night. That's always appointment, MILB.TV as well. He'll be back at home taking on the Nashville Sounds. So... That's going to do it for the 54th edition of the Show Before the Show podcast. You can find us on iTunes. We are the Minor League Baseball podcast there. Rate, review, subscribe to the show, and leave us your uh, your most glowing comments because we uh, have thin skin and really like reading them. Um, Sam is on Twitter. He's at Sam Dykstra, M-I-L-B. I am at Tyler Mon. Benjamin Hill is at Ben's Biz, and you can follow the blog, bensbiz.mlblogs.com. Uh, and also, before we get out of here this week, I want to extend a huge, huge thank you to all of our writers who joined the show last week for our opening day mega cast because they were all fantastic and we had a ton of fun putting that together danny wild and josh jackson and kelsey hennigan and alex Kraft and who am i missing robert emrich. robert emrich and you and yeah me. Wait, yeah it was, a, it was a fun group it was fun to have everybody on there and it's fun to have different voices on the podcast yeah definitely um you know we, we want to get those guys uh involved as much as we can this season so we'll uh definitely you'll definitely be hearing more from them as the season goes along and as they write interesting stories um, you can always find it on the site first, but then we'll bring them on to talk about it afterwards. So uh, this will definitely be a, a bigger site-wide podcast this year, and uh, we're excited to to kick that off last week. And if you haven't heard it yet, please go back and download it. It is definitely yeah. worth your time. Um, it's it'll get you just as ready for the second week of minor league baseball as it did the first. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, if you're really looking for something to watch out for in, you know, whether it's your favorite organization or the parent club of the minor league affiliate that is near you or whatever it is, uh, we got something for everybody in that week's edition of the show, which was episode 53 last week. So uh, we're going to wrap up episode number 54. This one, a fun one, and uh, real baseball underway and on MILB TV all week this week and for the next six months, so get excited. Uh, Until next week, enjoy watching it all. We'll talk to you then. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.